It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, sports betting season is in full force. NHL and NBA playoffs, we enjoyed those, and now football season is here. You need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may already know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sportsbook industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. That is BetUS.com, and they have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 800-69-BETUS. That is 800-MYBETUS. US, you can receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using the bonus code SST125. That's SST125. They have re-up and referral bonuses also. BetUS is known as America's favorite sports book for a lot of reasons. No matter what the season, BetUS has all the games, NBA, NHL, team, player props, loads of NFL and college plays, whether futures or individual game odds. You can bet UFC matches and props, PGA golf, Golf and round matchups and live betting on most sports, including golf. The online casino has hundreds of games, and the race book has all your horse tracks. They have every bet type imaginable, and the Sharp BetUS mobile platform is easy with full betting options. Follow my lead and partner with a sports betting company with integrity and longevity like I did. BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS. In the South. It's always college football season, and the king of college football reigns supreme all year long. Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. Hour two of the Chuck Oliver Show on a Monday. Thank you to my friend Tom Hard from SEC Network. Of course, he's on every Saturday with Jordan Rogers, Cole Kublick. Um, and I used to work with Tom way, way, way back in the day. He and I did Conference USA at uh, Comcast, and so um, just does a tremendous job and uh, jump right on to SEC Network. Uh, and again, they're all over the conference. Every, they, in fact, there are a lot of Thursday, uh, uh, Saturday broadcast as well. So I appreciate him coming on. Uh, Michael Borky, who we've had on before, um, talking Ole Miss football. Uh, again, we've talked with him. Uh, I was mobbed up with Super Talk Mississippi out yonder with our friend um, Richard Cross. We'll have Michael Borky on uh, talking Rebels as they get off a great win against LSU as they move on to their schedule. I said Auburn, the rest of their November slate, and they're thinking, well, at least the math works. And the math does work for the Rebels as far as the standing goes. I don't know if the, the standings themselves will wind up working, but the math, you can make that work. Lose two, we don't. Hey, we're in Atlanta for the first time. So you need Alabama to lose 
two of their final four games and you run the table versus not having Eli Manning's foot stepped on in 2003. So, I mean, that's honestly, those are your two best shots. Um, even the Arkansas thing with the fling backward to Alex Collins. Um, that's where you are for Ole Miss right now, but at least the math does work. And the math doesn't work for everybody when you get into November. And then final uh, guest of the day, bottom of the hour from 97.7 in Huntsville, ESPN Huntsville. It is Drew DeArmond. We will recap the Alabama dub and where they are. So many critical areas. Like I said, defense and special teams. We're supposed to be breaking those down. Like, oh, uh, before Will Reichard was there, at least, uh, there were some seasons when it was, oh, the place kicking, uh, field goal kicking from distance, or maybe the punting is inconsistent week to week. It's not any of that. It's special teams. Defensively, do you remember when it was the era of, well, the dual threat quarterback, maybe you can get the best of the Bama defense. Do you remember what the issue was? It, was, it wasn't the Bama defense. It was the secondary. Just, I mean, total bust. Saturday after Saturday, one bust after another. That was the issue. And then Saban and Kirby reworked some things and then basically eliminated safeties, if you want the details, uh, eliminated safeties from their depth charts and said, you know what? Eh, we're going to recruit all cornerbacks. And that's what we're going to start. And so they changed things. But that was the issue. It wasn't the defense. It was this part of the defense. And it wasn't even all of the secondary. It was the scheme of the sa- two guys, the safeties. Do you know what it is for Alabama right now? Sometimes it's the defense. Like, all of it. So, we'll talk to our good friend Drew again. Like I said, they got a win. They got a four-touchdown win at home against one of the most improved teams in the SEC, if not America. And you still have, because of where Bama, where their goal is, where they set their, their bar, you still have to say, hmm, what's wrong? So, they got their bye and then LSU, and we will talk to Drew about that right now. I'm going to get you up to date. Everything you need to know about college football every single day. This is CFB 365. Headline, Alabama jumps OU for top three spot. If you care, and for one more week, you don't have much of a choice. Next Tuesday night, we get our first rankings, the the playoff rankings from the committee. And then that, even those don't actually have any tangible concrete value but at least they're coming from the committee who eventually they will give us what matters the ap and the coaches polls they don't matter but they're just a very general feel about what we all are thinking of college football and we're all thinking georgia and cincinnati are the top two teams Uh, cincinnati struggled i guess is what we'll call it a little bit they still won Uh, but alabama moving up oklahoma i told you oh you've been playing with matches all season you want a definition of that? How about losing it? How about getting shut out at halftime against Kansas? Like Caleb Williams, a special athlete. So right now, the top four in the AP and the coaches poll, they don't have any real goal here. They don't have any. We're not creating a top four. I could say they're top seven, the top 23. It doesn't matter. It's, there's no you know, segmented unit from either the AP voters, the, co- uh, the coaches who vote. But Georgia, Cincinnati, Alabama, and Oklahoma, uh, those are the top four in both sides. And then uh, Ohio State, et cetera, et cetera. Consider yourself up to date because I want to talk about this just a little bit. Uh, I said that a week from tomorrow we'll get the first rankings that, again, they don't even really matter, but they're from the people who will eventually give us the rankings that matter. 
I have no idea. I'm, I'm not mocking the idea that Alabama will lose two conference games over the next five weeks. That could happen. Absolutely. Auburn and LSU could beat them. Absolutely, that could happen. Or whoever. I, it, it could happen. I don't think it's going to. But if you're asking me for a top four right now, I have to actually change the – because that's not the right question to ask because that's not really what it is. It's what top four do you think the committee will give all of us because they are scripting a television show. Who should play James Bond next? What, in your mind? On a poster or actually on a movie that you've got a couple of billion dollars wrapped up around? So there's, there's a difference when what you think or what actually is and then what the people who are deciding what their criteria is. Who are the best four teams in America? It might be Georgia, Cincinnati, Alabama, and Oklahoma. I don't know. But keep in mind that even the, like the Heisman Trophy, that used to actually be the most outstanding eligible player in college football. Nah the most outstanding, eligible offensive player. And now it's almost exclusively the most outstanding quarterback on a team that's having a great season award. See, it's morphed. It's nowhere close to what it actually is supposed to be. This this playoff committee, it's the same sort of thing. The four best teams in college football, really? But you're going to make sure that you don't have any sort of rematch, for instance, Georgia and Alabama? In the SEC championship game, if they both make the playoffs, I promise you this, it won't be in the semifinal round. They'll monkey with the ranking so that to make sure it doesn't. So they're not just giving us the four best teams in order one, two, three, four. They're scripting a show. So it will be a combination of goals when we first finally get the uh, the, the first rankings that matter in some way next Tuesday. All right, we'll take a break, come back, and talk a little SEC football next. Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. It's all college football on the Chuck Oliver Show. Ole Miss got the dub. I told you, 7-3. to three. And touchdown, 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 punt, touchdown. Ball game, done, finished, over. Uh, that was Ole Miss versus LSU on Saturday. And um, there is the immediate goal for the Rebels, and that involves Lane Kiffin. Okay, that involves uh, going on the road, beating Auburn, wrapping up the season, getting hopefully to Atlanta. There's all kinds of immediate goals, again, that involve Lane Kiffin. There's a much bigger goal that does not involve Lane, not directly. It involves everybody above Lane in the, the, the flow chart uh, in Oxford, and it's keeping Lane in Oxford. I'm telling you, go 11-1 as the Ole Miss head coach, um, and he's already going to have offers. He already has had offers. Absolutely. But um, there becomes another goal, and it's for the higher-ups in Oxford. I want to welcome on now a guy that we've talked to before, always does a great job talking Rebel football and throughout the SEC, whether it's YouTube, podcast, Sports Talk Mississippi, doesn't matter. It's Michael Borky. Michael, how are you today, man? 
Doing well, Chuck. I appreciate the introduction, by the way. Yeah, I appreciate you uh, making some time today. Let's talk, uh, first of all, just the big picture uh, bird's eye goal there. Um, what is the what is the, the perceived environment for Lane Kiffin and his future in Oxford, Mississippi? Because I think he's a, a great coach. I think he's one of the best offensive play callers, offensive minds, et cetera, all of these things that we think about Lane Kiffin. Well, so do other programs with bigger stadiums and more money and whatever else. So um, just – Talk about just the general feel about Lane and his future. Yeah, it, that's, uh, it sounds like such a simple question, but it's such a loaded question at the same time because uh, on one hand, and I think there's a lot of truth to it, Old Miss is a better job than nationally people give it credit for. I mean, three of their last four head coaches have had their team ranked in the top ten at one point. The only one that had not done that is Matt Luke, and he was only there for two years after his interim year. So, it's a place where you can consistently get classes in the top 25. I mean, dating back to Ed Orgeron, every coach has been able to do that. You can win games, but it's still not at the level of like an LSU, which makes this Kiffin thing so interesting because the LSU job being open for Ole Miss, it's a blessing and a curse at the same time in terms of keeping their head coach. It's it's a curse because I think if LSU makes Lane Kiffin candidate number one, I do believe he would take the job. It is a better job than Ole Miss. You can win national championships there with regularity. You can get better players, and as you mentioned, they've got more money. I think Keith Carter will give as much as he possibly can to keep Kiffin, but at some point, others with more will be able to give more. Uh, so it's a curse there because I think, again, if, if LSU does pursue him as priority candidate, I think he will – take that job but it's also a blessing because that applies to everybody on LSU's list I don't think that they're going to get said no to to me this is not a situation like Tennessee last year or Auburn last year well they'll have to go through three four five candidates depending on who you talk to before they get their guy this is a situation where if Lane Kiffin's not number one or number two on the list I don't think Ole Miss fans have to worry about him getting hired because everybody I think on their candidate list will take that job, or at least they won't get past getting said no to once. So, I mean, Carter's going to do everything he can. I, I don't think he'll let it come down to finances to a certain point. I've heard that he's willing to make Lane Kiffin a top 10 paid coach in college football, that he's prepared to make that commitment. They've got a you know, $400 million facilities project coming, but at the end of the day, that still doesn't make you LSU. So it's, uh, fans are kind of scared right now, but all the news about Mel Tucker and you know James Franklin being the first candidates, I uh, have at least breathed a sigh of relief around here. Continue with Michael Borky. Follow him on Twitter at Michael Borky. All right, well, let's talk a little bit about what happened on Saturday. Um, how healthy was Matt Corral like seven days ago? How healthy was he on Saturday? Um, he ran the ball, and it was fourth down. It was goal line sort of stuff. Uh, just talk uh, how much of that was uh, just Lane giving commentary. Uh, th- there was definitely some truth to it. Now, I knew uh, the second he said that on Monday – that he was he was kind of full of it. I knew that Matt Corral was going to play in the game, but there's clearly uh, he's not 100%. In fact, in the post game, it sounded like he even slipped and said the shot wore off sometime in the first half. And you thought, oh, okay, yeah. well, he's definitely not 100% there. But they, they clearly called the game differently uh, for him. They really protected him. Uh, it's one of these things where Kiffin just does not disclose injuries. This program does not tell you what's wrong. I mean, you know that it's his leg because 
he fell in the Tennessee game and had to get helped off the field. It's it's an ankle for sure, but other than that, we don't know if it's you know if it's some kind of fracture or a sprain, or we have no idea. But they clearly called the game to protect him, and uh, we'll see. I mean, he he looked fine. But that comment after the game struck me a little bit. All right, take us through uh, Jarius Ely and his uh, return, and because uh, he looked perfectly fine to me. Uh, did he just have like a magical seven days, or was he already kind of a slow build? But uh, they were just limiting him till he was a hundred percent, or maybe the LSU game. Yeah, well, he he did have a concussion, and, and honestly, I think there a lot of it was uh, some frustration with Kiffin. So, it, if you listen to him closely, he'll tell you a lot. And it sounded like a couple of times this season, he's actually challenged Jerry and Ely to give them more. There were times where uh, he's electric in the open field, but earlier this season, he, he would get brought down by one tackler or, you know, not play physical and stuff like that. And it appeared that that completely changed on Saturday. He decided to really grasp his role. I, and that was the Jerry and Ely that everybody yeah. was expecting to see all season long. And it took until the end of October to get it. But it sounded like Kiffin was frustrated with the way he's played this season and looks like he finally rose to the challenge. Last thing, flip it around to uh, defense. And again, the Bama game was the Bama game, but it really does appear. I mean, I, I can't tell you how much better, but I just know they're improved over 2020, 2019, et cetera. That there, it, it's more than just, I was happy a couple of seasons ago. Okay. Well, they're lining up in, in the proper place. Um, it's more than that. They're, they're, they're legitimately improved. Absolutely. And it starts up front. You know, they've, they've moved to this three, two, six scheme. And a lot of people around here were blaming the scheme, but I think it had more to do uh, with execution. And finally you get, Somebody like Sam Williams, who now has seven and a half sacks this season, uh, who's finally playing consistent football, getting pressure on the edge, uh, defensive lines playing better. And I think their biggest strength right now is their two linebackers. But, I mean, it, it took until last week in Knoxville for the defensive line to at least get some pressure, whether it be in the run game, controlling the line of scrimmage, we're actually getting to quarterbacks. And now Chance Campbell and Mark Robinson have really been able to feast. And they've made some adjustments, especially with Campbell, because yeah. they're only bringing three in passing situations, but they're essentially letting him in the middle of the field to decide when and if he comes as additional rusher. And he's making great decisions right now and just playing exceptional football. So uh, this is, it's not a fluke and it's not a product of competition, relatively speaking. Of course, Alabama's a different story, but Arkansas lit this team up three weeks ago. I mean, they ran at will, they threw at will and scored 51 points on that defense in Oxford three weeks ago. They go to Knoxville and win the game on defense. And last week, I mean, eh, really only gave up one touchdown until the game was decided. LSU only averaged 2.2 per carry. So they're clearly better in playing with confidence, and it starts with Sam Williams on the defensive line, and their two linebackers are playing great football right now. Michael, appreciate you, man. Thank you. Anytime, Chuck. All right. And he mentioned Sam Williams. Man, there was one play where he just, I mean, buried his face perfect, legal, not you know violent or anything, but just buried his helmet, I mean, right into chest plate of um, Max Johnson and just I mean, lit the kid up. And I'm not saying that. Oh, good for Max Johnson getting hit. Uh You've got to have – this is how you can, can play defense. Hit the quarterback. Um, in the NFL, I've said, because it's a much more condensed roster and you don't sub nearly as much, but two edge rushers and two guys that can cover on the back end, I'll fill in the other seven with guys who are just good enough to be in the league. 
you can do that on Sunday. Same principles in the in the college game, but you just have to have a lot more depth because you got 85, not 53. So um, Sam Williams is one of those guys. He can do it against any opponent. He can get in and rattle your quarterback. And so you've got to identify those guys and say, okay, that's our chance. That's where we go. Uh, we've been talking Alabama, started the show with him really as an example of what's going on everywhere in college football, even Tuscaloosa. Well, we'll drill down with a good friend, Drew DeArmond. That's next on the Chuck Oliver Show. Southern Sports Today and the Chuck Oliver Show. Alabama's offense coming. Alabama as a 1 through 85, as a let's compare them to other Nick Saban squads in Tuscaloosa. Really, really outstanding record to this point. It's just not the same. I said Saturday, they were just, they were flat out just awful on special teams. You're supposed to lose a game when that is your special teams profile. When, I mean, I, I forget, it might have been, it was fourth out of fourth and 19, fourth and 26, whatever it was. And you helped Tennessee convert. Um, there have been either moments or stretches where the defense has, and I'm saying just overall, has played poorly. The other night, I think it was Josh Job. Folks, he is staring at the Alabama side. I don't know, getting a signal, talking to the co- – he's doing something. But Tennessee's like, well, hey, let's get ready to play football. The Alabama defensive back is staring at the Alabama sidelines. Ball snapped. I think that was Javonta Payton on that play. He's past him. Touchdown. There are issues that I'm not used to seeing in Tuscaloosa now. The, the bottom line is they're 7-1, and one, and if we had playoff committee rankings released tonight, Alabama would be in the top four. Um, at this point, I don't know if that's going to hold because if we project a matchup against Georgia, Alabama can beat Georgia. I don't think Alabama's going to beat Georgia. I want to welcome on now a guy who, uh, boy, he watches the entire SEC and all of college football, but when it comes to talking tide, it's about as good as you're going to find anywhere from our Huntsville affiliate, 97.7 ESPN. It's our good buddy, Drew DeArmond. Drew, how are you, man? Good, Chuck. How are you? Doing okay. Uh, Am I being too harsh? Let's start first with the special teams, the performance from the other night. No, not at all. I mean, you can't have a punt blocked in that situation, especially – when it's fourth down and 20 and you're about to get some good field position out of it and you've uh, kind of seized the momentum back. Uh, you know, honestly, defensively, I thought Alabama played pretty well except for the two busts uh, in the secondary, but you can't have those either. And Alabama made enough mistakes in the first half on all three phases uh, where you kind of felt like you were watching Texas A&M all over again. But luckily, A, you know, Tennessee is not as talented as Texas A&M. And, B, they've got number nine behind center Bryce Young who kind of bailed the offense out and got them rolling. But certainly, Chuck, when you watch that punt block and then you get you get a penalty or two and have to attempt a 54-yard field goal, and it's short by Will Riker, who's a heck of a kicker, but it's a 54-yard field goal. Uh, again, Alabama just wasn't sharp early and uh, didn't look like they were mentally in it. Uh, but uh, luckily they were talented enough to get it going. But, there's some issues with this team, no doubt, and I understand people, you know, questioning whether they can beat Georgia and whether they are a college football playoff team. I think there are legitimate questions heading into the bye week. 
There's so much talent all over the roster, but I keep talking about, um, you know, that phrase I used. I talked about this last week, drilled down a little bit, game wrecker. And you know what a game wrecker is. Um, Will Anderson, when he's 100% healthy, and even when he's not, he's a game wrecker. I think beyond him on defense, there are a lot of really talented players who have great coaching and, you know, everything else. Um, there's supposed to be somebody other than Minka. There's supposed to be some other, somebody other than Danta. There's supposed to be somebody else like a running buddy for the best player, and I don't know that there is right now. Am, am, am I missing it? Henry Toto, I think, has played some outstanding football at times as well, but there's just they're, they're missing that other guy. Well, they are, and I watched him come out of the tunnel – in the third quarter, Chuck, and uh, talked to some people on the sideline. Uh, and he was in his jersey, but no pads, and that's Chris Allen. I mean, he would have been the perfect complement yeah. to uh, Will Anderson. We saw him in Atlanta. You saw that he got the sack uh, and the strip sack against Miami. It ended up being arguably maybe the final play of his season. Of course, you know there's rumors out there perhaps that he could return late in the year from the foot injury. Of course, I wouldn't count on that, but he would have been a guy that would have definitely been able to be a nice compliment. And even uh, his backup, Drew Sanders, who I thought was playing a really good football coming into his own as a sophomore on that, that Sam linebacker spot. Hopefully he'll be back after the bye for LSU. Uh, that seems to be the prevailing thought if he doesn't have a setback after the ligament damage to his thumb. But you're right. I mean, Will Anderson has been the guy – uh, Fenerian Mathis is probably the closest thing uh, to a compliment yeah. to him. He had a sack on Saturday. He's, I mean, he's certainly not Quinnen Williams, but I think he's a really good SEC defensive lineman. And I really thought one of the underlying, uh, you know, stories in the game that didn't get publicized a lot was Alabama's defensive front seven did play well against Tennessee. As you know, Tennessee coming into the game was averaging over 200 yards rushing. They were banged up, you know, Tyreon Davis. Uh, or should be Tyrion Evans, pardon me, uh, was uh, banged up, you know, had some injuries coming in. Cade Mays wasn't there. Their, their offensive line wasn't intact. But the bottom line is Alabama stopped those guys. A&M had a lot of backups playing in College Station, and yet they took it to Alabama. So I did think there were some good things in the game, but the thing that nags at you, and it's kind of what you're talking about, is the inconsistencies in the three phases. And so that's probably going to be what Nick Saban is going to try to clean up during the off week is trying to quit, stop the mental errors, especially in the back end of the defense. Don't kill yourself in special teams. And then offensively, to me, I still think they need to, you know, kind of self-scout and take a look at the offensive line because I still think the right tackle is where they're weakest right now. Well, let's talk a little Bryce Young because, you know, I mentioned this after, oh, maybe it was after the A&M game. I said, you know, if the team was going to look off, isn't it supposed to be because of the redshirt freshman quarterback who's never really played? Isn't that supposed to be what the what the skip is, what the jump is uh, between being Bama and what they are now? But it's not that. Um, I have seen criticism that he is not maybe aggressive enough, that maybe leaving yards on the field, and I know we talked about Bryce Young before, but beyond something like that, which normally comes with more confidence and experience, just – Drop him into the fishbowl of the 2021 season and tell me what you've seen from Bryce Young. Well, I've just seen some high-level play. I mean, extremely uh, uh, good poise from him because his offensive line has been, you know, inconsistent. Uh, it's been really good at times, and then at times the protection has broken down. I thought Saturday he took some steps forward, being dangerous with his legs as far as running the ball. He, he has to choose his spots, which he did. Uh, but he was able to escape, get outside the pocket, 
He rushed for over 40 yards and a couple of touchdowns, which is huge because he has Russell Wilson-type mobility where he can uh, keep a play alive, no question about it. And I think you also saw in this situation, I thought the, the biggest play in the game Saturday night, Chuck, it was third down and long. Tennessee, it was 31-24. to 24. They just you, you talked about the play when we were coming on in the segment where you had the miscommunication with Josh Job. Tillman runs past him. It's a 75-yard touchdown. And then you're sitting there. It, it's a seven-point game. And Tennessee yeah. was a four-touchdown underdog. They still lost by four touchdowns. But at the time, this is a ball game. And Bryce Young threads the needle on a deep ball, which – Probably has been his weakest point, but he hit, uh, you know, Jamison Williams on that deep ball. That gave Alabama a first down around the 20. And then a play or two later, you see Brian, uh, you see B Rob, Brian Robinson in the end zone from 15 yards out. And that taking that game from 38 to 24, taking it back to a two touchdown advantage, I thought was kind of the nail in the coffin. But I thought Bryce played an exceptional game. And here's the way I think about it with this Alabama football team, Chuck. If you take Bryce Young out of the lineup and take Will Anderson out of the lineup on defense, where is this Alabama team? I think they're extremely ordinary. So they've got two extraordinary All-Americans, in my opinion, on the field. And, uh, and, you know, Will Anderson, who to me should be up for any Defensive Player of the Year award in college football. And then Bryce Young, who's near the top of all the Heisman votes, you know, polls right now they they don't mean a whole lot but still with the way he's played for this offense and what he's meant to it with the inconsistencies that we've seen I think he's played exceptionally well for someone as you just talked about that didn't have a start under his belt until Miami 12 days until they take the field again um it's against an opponent you have to respect I, I and I mean that legit all of it but um they're a lot better than LSU and given the backdrop of what's going on in Baton Rouge I mean there's an opportunity here for Alabama to get a win um health wise tell me where they again 12 days for rest or recovery or whatever just kind of bounce through anything you believe important well, I mean, it's very important for Brian Robinson to get some rest. I mean, as you know, he had a rib injury earlier in the season. He has taken a heavy load, uh, very quietly had an all-SEC type year, Chuck. Uh, you know, 12 TDs, over 700 rushing yards, five yards per carry. So his workload, and with the injuries in the backfield, he's had to take on even more carries. So I think it's going to be big to get him recharged. Certainly, uh, you know, when you look at Drew Sanders, I just mentioned him, it's going to give him a chance. Uh, to get his uh, hand healthy and perhaps return to the lineup. We've seen Dallas Turner as a true freshman play well, but again, you want to get Drew Sanders back in there because he was playing good football. It gives another week for a healing of maybe a Kamar Wheaton who has the meniscus problem in his knee. We don't know if he'll be ready or not, but that's still a possibility because Alabama's depth situation right now at running backs, they've got three scholarship backs. They've moved some guys around, you know, like a, uh, you know, a, a Christian Leary who uh, is, uh, who is, uh, you know, he, he's been working at running back. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, Demoye Kennedy has as well. Both of them warmed up with the running backs on Saturday, but they have not had to use them. But again, it gives another back a chance to get healthier. And so, and then also any guys, uh, you know, along that defensive line, you know, like a, it gives a Fedarian Mathis a chance or a Byron Young, Byron, Certainly, uh, you know, uh, strapped it up, put a brace on his shoulder on Saturday and started. But, you know, that he, he certainly injured that ball game, uh, a couple weeks ago. So he'll have a chance to get healthy. So it's, it's always good to recharge yourself and get ready to play. And with this LSU team, you talked about them. They still have talent. And with this Alabama team, 
this is this squad right now has shown some immaturity at times, has not played complete football games. So it gives them a chance to self-scout, hopefully get their minds right, because they have some winnable games coming up against LSU, Arkansas, New Mexico State. But then that Auburn game is looming. And Auburn, very quietly, they have a difficult schedule coming out of their bye, Chuck. But they're right there controlling their own destiny in the SEC West. So Alabama needs to get healthy, needs to, uh, you know, certainly self-scout and fix some issues, especially defensively uh, and along that offensive line potentially. But still a, a chance to get to Georgia. But right now, I couldn't agree with you more. If I had to pick the game, I don't think Alabama could beat Georgia right now. But luckily, there's a there's a, you know a several weeks of football to play where Alabama will have a chance to fix their issues. Now the big question is, will they? Drew, last uh, Jaleel Billingsley, anything about him injury-wise? No, sir. But I, I know, Chuck, I, there's not any injuries with him. He has been the, probably the biggest disappointment of this offense. I know I've been talking about the right tackle during your segment. But coming in, I thought he had a chance to be a true difference maker and an all-SEC tight end. The one thing we saw out of Cameron Latou Saturday, he did make a mistake in punt protection, but he caught three passes, did a good job, you know, getting past a couple of difficult games yeah. as a receiver and made plays. Jaleel Billingsley drops another, could be, would have been a big play, might have been a touchdown uh, in that second half. He's just disappeared from this offense. That's another big thing Alabama's going to have to do. Try to find a way to reach Jaleel Billingsley during this bye week and get him going because I'll tell you what, they need a compliment to Jamison Williams and John Mechie in the passing game. It should be Jaleel Billingsley, but Trayshawn Holden has been the guy the last couple weeks that stepped up. So Alabama needs a third option in the passing game. Will it be Jaleel Billingsley? We don't know, but this has been a very disappointing season for the junior from Chicago. Yeah, it really has. I was wondering maybe he had gotten um, something was affecting his production. Uh, Drew, I appreciate it as always, man. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Chuck. All right, Drew DeArmond again, 97.7 ESPN Huntsville. And Jalil Billingsley, he's a guy that I talked about going back to summer. Um, actually, post-spring, I was like, guys, I don't even know what he is. He's not a tight end. But when you're 6'4", 230, and you run like that, um, you're going to be downfield, all right? It's not just seam and hot and whatever else. And this is bordering on a on not a it's a wasted season. You know the loss like Luke Doty, the South Carolina quarterback. You know what it might be for him? It really might wind up. It was just a lost season. He got to play against Georgia. He got to play against uh, Vanderbilt. He got he got to play probably four games or three this year. It's basically a lost season. It's a wasted season for Jaleel Billingsley because he's been healthy and he is incredibly talented and already developed to the point where 2021 one's supposed to be the splash around in the shallow end of the pool season so that later on you can go off the high dive no Jaleel Billingsley well he's junior now isn't he and so you're talking about after the Waddell like it was about this time last year when he took off except it was Jalen Waddell getting hurt wasted season for him because he didn't break his foot or whatever happened to Luke Doty. It's just that his head coach has built a, a separate wing on the doghouse just for Jalil. Football-wise, he's got that figured out. There's a phrase I use sometimes, and usually it's around the draft, but I say you got to learn how to play the game. Not the game of football. Jalil can play the game on the field. you got to play the game. Make them think you care. Just a little bit. 
Do you remember Wesley Saunders? Go back about a decade. Unbelievably skilled tight end at uh, South Carolina. And he was the kid that wouldn't move out of the hotel. Remember when South Carolina got busted for all those kids that were living uh, on the university dime, charging stuff at the hotel, the Hotel Whitney, I believe. Uh, all right, well, we'll move out now. We didn't know. They knew. We didn't know. Wesley Saunders, is, he's like, yeah, I ain't leaving. Well, no, you have to leave. Yeah, I'm not. Um, sometimes you have un, but next Sunday guy all the way. He won't play the game. Make them think, pretend you care. Don't be Andre Smith. And in six weeks between the end of your season and the combine, sit around eating corn chips and ice cream sandwiches and show up in Indianapolis and get sent home after six hours. Play the game. Make them think you care. That's all it is. Then you can change your family tree at that point. All right, we're going to take a break. Come back, wrap up on a Monday next. The king of college football, no matter where you go, with a new Southern Sports Today app. Catch the best college football conversation in the South everywhere with the SST live stream and daily podcast. Downloaded now at the App Store and the Google Play Store. Now more of the best college football talk in the country. It's the Chuck Oliver Show. Williams keeps it on the quarterback counter. Gets the first down, still on his feet. The magic man. Pulls out the magic wand. Touchdown Sooners. Mark Jones on the call. And I would not have guessed we would be playing an Oklahoma Kansas highlight, but that's Oklahoma and Kansas from Saturday. Oklahoma was losing 10 nothing in halftime. Kansas is is really, really awful. In fact, I would say that this like Kansas right now, they're as bad as Kansas has been over the past post-Mangino years, however, 2008-ish or nine. And 10 nothing lead at halftime. They're at home. Give them credit. They uh, put on something for the – you know what you have to do if you're Kansas? And eventually uh, OU and Caleb Williams comes all the way back, 35-23. They were up 28-23 and got a final minute touchdown, and so that kind of stretched it out a little bit. Um, you know what you have to do if you're Kansas? Because no matter what choices you make, you're going to go 2-10 and 10 and be thankful. They beat South Dakota already. So I don't – and I don't – I can't tell you a lot about South Dakota. They play in the Missouri Valley. I don't know if they're good or not, but they can't be too good. They lost to Kansas. Um, and so maybe there's another win out yonder, but they're 1-6 right now. Do you know what you do if you're Kansas? Oh, Oklahoma's coming here this year? Make them homecoming. You just do it. You just middle finger everybody best you can. You're going to lose anyway. And so, and Lincoln Riley, like, just throw him a curveball. Like Vanderbilt, LSU's coming, homecoming. That's what we're going to do. So, they lose uh, and drop to one. And so, Oklahoma, give OU credit, 8-0. It's ugly. Uh, there is, and the fact that the Heisman finalist, who may be the first overall pick, is not even starting for you anymore because he's not going to be a Heisman finalist. And... He's not going to be – Spencer Rattler will not be an NFL quarterback a year from now. I don't think he'll be an Oklahoma quarterback. I think Spencer Rattler's going to look around and go, oh, yeah, i got to find some place to play. Lincoln Riley, he's not going to be an NFL coach. He's going to be Oklahoma's coach, and Caleb Williams is his quarterback. Oh, yeah, he fits. 
lot better than Spencer Rattler, who either wouldn't, didn't, couldn't, something run the ball. I don't fault the kid. But if we could go back, say, six weeks, if if there's one player in college football who wishes he could DeLorean back six weeks right now, Spence Rattler. It is Spence Rattler. He could have been, and it talked about in legitimate conversation, well, maybe he's the first overall pick. And I, w- I would hear that, and I'd go, all right, well, let's discuss that. It was a legitimate conversation to have. He's going to transfer to find somewhere else to play. I think he had the NFL thing swirling around in his head. That's what I believe. Chuck Oliver Show continues on a Monday as we wrap up. I want to mention quickly the ACC. Really strange weekend. One thing that should not have struck you as strange, though. Florida State, they they played UMass, but Florida State, they also played Syracuse and won. And so they're trying to get things back on the rails a little bit. Um, Clemson lost on Saturday. That shouldn't surprise you. We talked about that on Thursday and Friday leading up to the game. I think they're going to lose. And the idea of Clemson, what do they go nine and three? Folks, I asked that after the Georgia game. And then after the Georgia Tech game, I said, no, this is real, folks. And that was the game they won. I said, we need to, re- we need to talk about what if they go nine and three? Because they got issues. To go nine and three, Clemson would have to win its final five. That's where the Tigers are. They lose at Pittsburgh 27-17, to and here is what is about to happen to Clemson. Quote, down the stretch, Dam's going to break on defense. Gave you a preview again. We talked this before the weekend's action. The defense has been playing, I mean, sky high, elite level, and when your own offense either doesn't score or it's another three and out or it's a turnover or we're back out on the field at some point in the game and then at some point in the season, the dam breaks. And I think that's where the Pittsburgh's really good on offense and picket and everything that you know about. But we're about to go from them giving up, you know, 13, 17, whatever, to 27, 35, maybe more uh, as a result of the offense. All right, wraps it up on a Monday, folks. Give me 22 hours. I recharge those batteries, I promise. Be back this time tomorrow with more college football conversation right here on the Chuck Oliver Show. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.